Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Good evening, fellas. How are you both? Very well, thank you. Very well. Um, yeah, uh, decent weekend of football, guys. A few goals to talk through. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll kick straight off uh, for the Saturday's lunchtime game. Uh, Fulham, uh, they are somewhat underwhelming start to the season. I think we could safely say continued with uh, another two drop points at home this time to Watford. Um, yeah, it's it's um, Jakarovic came up with a reputation, guys, for um, having a very solid team, and you know it was suspected that with the money they'd spent, they would do quite well. Um, of course, as it turns out, that, that hasn't been the case so far. This carried on. Uh, Mary Gray uh, opening the scoring for Watford in the second minute. Uh, Fulham eventually getting equalised in the 78th minute from their, their form player, uh, Alexander Mitrovic. Uh, James, I'll come at you first on this. Uh, um, Fulham, as I said, came up with a reputation for being pretty solid. Uh, they spent a lot of money. I think people would expect they'll probably do slightly better than they have so far. Um, one of the problems is, and I know that Mark, uh, also from the debate show, has decried this. On, on Twitter recently is the fact that we don't seem to be able to settle on a, a set uh, back four. Um, is, is that going to be a problem going forward into this season? Does, would you expect that you kind of just going to have to sort that out sooner rather than later? Or is this is it just that he, what he's got at his disposal is maybe not quite as good as we, we thought it might be? Uh, um, I think it, um, possibly... I've, I don't think they've helped themselves by buying so many players. I think they sp- spent in excess of uh, a hundred million pounds for a team that's got promoted, and uh, they've got good players in Sessignon and uh, Mitrovic is a good striker. Schürrle is a very good player, World Cup winner too. Um, I think, as we all know, it's a long old season, and you can't really make it many judgments after six games. But I think he's gonna he's gonna have to help himself by um, by settling on a on a. On a starting lineup sooner rather than later, because you know the games the games come thick and fast, and uh, you've got to pick up points. I mean they've got they've got five after six games, so that's a that's a half decent start. And uh, I think they would help themselves in future to um, to uh, choose a more settled side really and stick with them. Yeah. 
You're breaking up a bit, Andy. Yeah, I'm still there. I think Andy's fallen away. Yeah, it was, just, it was like he's slowly being flushed, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, 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 a little bit by a bit, yeah. I'm, I'm sure he'll come back. Do we? Is this where we st- we, we carry on uh, at a certain point? Like I've done, I've had to improvise a couple of times. Do you want to do that? Yeah, we'll, we'll just carry on. Yeah. He's just left there now but you made a fair point about Fulham there they've bought uh, too many players really for, yeah. for, for what you'd expect from a for newly promoted club and uh, they weren't particularly strong defensively when they got promoted um, they were always about how many they scored rather than how many they conceded yeah. well I, I rate Lamachon having seen him play live for Nice last August in the Champions League but I think um I think that's just. Um, I think it's him bedding in in the Premier League. He's going to take time, and uh, he's, he's he's positionally quite strong, but he's he's not the quickest as well. So, uh, yeah, this the speed of the Premier League. I think you saw this weekend with Wesley uh, Hood with his own goal at, uh, at Anfield. You know, the the speed of the Premier League can be too much for certain players. I think. Definitely, yeah. And are you back in the London living? Nice. Should we should we should we move on to another game perhaps? Uh, we can't. Uh, do we want to give him a minute, or we can just crack on? I mean, I don't know how long he's going to be. Yeah. Should we give him? Uh, should we give him another minute or two? Do you reckon? Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Yeah. Yeah. That's very weird. I could still hear you both. I just assumed you could still hear me, but you sound uh, a lot clearer now than you yeah. did a couple of months ago. So yeah, I, I, I take that I, I almost essentially rebooted the mic. I muted it on the call and then unmuted it, and it appears to have started it off again. So um, yeah, that's that's a weird one. Um, okay, are we are we still near enough to start where it's probably just worth going through again? Well, we improvised while she was away regarding uh, regarding Dave's po- Dave's point on Fulham as well. So, of course, right. Um, I wonder if we just right. I wonder if we maybe leave that there then and see if we can. But then again, that's stopped Marek Calder every time I've, I've popped off. I, I'm, um, I'm still recording this end from the from the from the off, so uh, we're okay right, for the okay. minute. Right, yeah. that's fine. Yeah, we'll, ju- we'll just go with that then. Um, okay, so where did you guys just finish up? Uh, finish. Uh, yeah, after, after you, Dave. Uh, so James was saying he thought Fulham had bought too many players and I basically agreed. Um, and then James made the point that there's quite a few players come to 
the Premier League for Fulham, who will take a bit of time to get up to the pace of the league. Okay, right. I, when I thought I was still on the call, I'd basically just ask you about Mitrovic. So maybe just oh, right. come, in, I'll come in at this point, they'll just make, they make that point again. Fine, okay. Okay. Yeah, Dave, I'll come to you at this point. Uh, Alexander Mitrovic, of course, very well known to you as a Newcastle man. Um, I, I can't imagine you're taking much joy from seeing how well he started the season for for Fulham. No, not not a great amount of uh, pleasure in that for me. But I think it was the, the first weekend of the season. I predicted he wouldn't get more than 10 or 11 goals. I think he's already halfway there, so that's not looking particularly good for me. But he... Um, He's been played in a team that they really played with strengths and it's almost pointless comparing to how he would have done at Newcastle because uh, we just we don't play to the way we get the most out of him, whereas Fulham very much do. Um, it's a different if we had a different manager, who knows, it might be a different story, but sometimes players just doesn't fit with a manager, so it's uh, it's a shame because I, I like what he brings to a team but um, we haven't yet seen him boil over like he did for us on too many occasions so maybe it might suit him playing in front of a smaller crowd compared to when he's got 52,000 paying for blood so who, who knows yeah. uh, Speaking of playing in front of a, a smaller crowd, we need to talk about Watford here, Watford whose his momentum is perhaps stalled slightly, that's now no wins in the last two but still, uh, James, I think we'd, we'd all agree that it's been a, a pretty excellent start from a, from a manager who, before the season kicked off, was perhaps one of the ones that was considered most under fire. Yes. Yeah, but you see um, you see how quickly things can change. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave, what do you think about Watford? I mean, no-one's going to expect them to stay in the top four, obviously, but, I mean, based on what you've seen of them so far, is it a European challenge? Possible, or is it the expect there'll be a, another? Is this just putting them in a, a pole position to avoid relegation? I, I was actually really impressed with them yesterday. Uh, I mean, I, I don't see a lot of Watford, but obviously they've been on telly a couple of times recently, um, and they should have won that game on Saturday. Um, probably by, before the hour mark, really. They had a couple of good breakaways where they should have made more of it, um, and the way they set up. Obviously, it's nominally a four-four-two, but it's essentially Hughes and Pereira come and always plays uh, as number tens really on the ball. They're, they're really cut inside quite a bit, and it's, it's quite a good system they've got with uh, with Danny and Gray as the sort of the old-fashioned big man, little man. So uh, I've enjoyed watching them. Um, I've, I think you're spot on. They'll not be anywhere near the top six, but there's no reason, from what I've seen so far, that they can't be sort of the best of the rest. Uh, so we'll move on from that first game of the weekend on to, I think, uh, perhaps a quite a surprising result based on the form so far. Burnley, who seem to be finally coming out of their, their early season hangover, roundly uh, trouncing Bournemouth uh, 4-0. Uh, Vidra opening the scoring, followed up by Lennon in quick succession, and then Ashton Barnes scoring too late on to give the scoreline perhaps a slightly... Um, Glossier look than it perhaps deserved. Uh, Dave, we'll come to you first in this one. I, I watched uh, a fair part of this game, and Bournemouth could probably consider themselves quite unlucky to have lost by four, can't they? Oh, definitely. I mean, no one would have predicted this beforehand, but uh, once it got to 2 0, Bournemouth was going to throw more and more forwards, and, and Burnley were able to capitalise on that. Uh, with players like Lennon, who being sort of out of the frame for quite a while now, but uh, almost seemed back was best on uh, on Saturday. He really uses his pace again. Um, 
I was very, very surprised by this result from what we'd seen from both teams so far this season. This was as far away as I could have predicted, I think. Yeah, uh, James Bournemouth, uh, I mean, I don't think anyone's gone really expecting their away form to be what keeps them in the Premier League again this season. Is there still cause for concern there over just how easily they conceded some of the goals they did? Uh, possibly. I think there might well be, but they've made such a good start and got points on the board already that they can maybe think they perhaps can relax a little bit and not necessarily in trouble. But um, yeah, as Dave said, you know their home form is what um, is what's kept them in the league in recent years, and um, I tip them to go down this year. Mind you, I've done that for the last couple of years, and they've uh, they've left me with egg on my face. So uh, I think they'll probably do it again this year. Uh, and in terms of Burnley, I mean, as I said, they, they, they've had a fairly wretched start to the season and it would appear that the, the squad wasn't quite equipped to deal with the Thursday-Sunday uh, Europa League, Premier League uh, schedule. Now that we are into, now that they've uh, been eliminated and we're getting in the kind of proper meat of the season, how do we, how do we think Burnley are going to fare? You know what you're going to get with Burnley, and that was what well, we thought we knew what we were going to get, and that was that they would be solid and they'd probably score a few goals and set pieces or balls in the box, that kind of thing. For whatever reason, they'd, they'd lost that bit of organisation, whether it's down to not having as much time on the training field because they've been travelling to here, there, and everywhere, or whatever else. Um, I, I guess we'll never really know, but certainly it seems that now they're back in the, the normal routine, uh, it was more business as usual for them, more like it were last season. Draft Burnley finally getting their season on track. One team we can't say that of is Cardiff City, who's a fairly wretched start to the season continues. Uh, this time on the end of a fine crashing from a match side, who were very clearly looking to make up for a, a pretty horrendous midweek performance in Europe. Uh, Sergio Aguero opened the scoring in 32 minutes, and from then the floodgates opened. Uh, Bernardo Silva doubling the lead in the 35th minute. Good land scoring a pretty special goal in the 44th. And then Reid Mares uh, finally coming to the fore since his big summer move, uh, scoring in the 67th and the 89th minute to make it a 5-0 win. Um, James, I'll come to you first. Man City, obviously, as I said, were, were really poor uh, midweek against Leon. Um, was this just the case of them having the right opponents to get back in track? Or did you see enough from City to suggest that actually it was more about themselves coming out of the blocks much more quickly? No, I think it might have been a combination of both. To be honest, I think you know they. I think they underestimated Leon, and I don't think they were helped with Guardiola not being on the touchline. You know, there were no easy games in Europe, as we know only too well. But I think having Cardiff as their first opponents after a defeat midweek in the Champions League can help. But uh, it's going to be a long old season for Cardiff. You know, for, it looks it look it looks ominous even now after only six games, which is which is a bit of a shame because there's 32 left. But maybe they'll pick up a, 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 towards the uh, towards uh, Christmas, maybe where they'll uh, might pick up a point here and there and start to come into the groove a little bit. But I think I think for them it's looking a little bit ominous already. Yeah, uh, Dave, the Man City, as we said, what were pretty good yesterday. But part of that was the former UK Gundogan, who perhaps one of the less heralded, although still. Relatively expensive signings. Um, obviously, missed the first season. It was there through injury. Real looks like it's coming in. He's on as the, the player perhaps City thought they were getting. Oh, he's, he's brilliant. Um, so he was obviously the best player on the pitch yesterday. It just doesn't really seem fair that Man City can leave out David Silva and not have any sort of detrimental issue whatsoever. Um, 
they've got so much talent at their disposal. I mean, it was only, I know it was, I know it was only Cardiff yesterday, but it wouldn't have mattered. I don't think it, when players that good are playing that well, it, it's a foregone conclusion. Yeah, just a quick word on Cardiff. I mean, they'll work exactly what I think we all thought at this point. Then their championship side haven't made enough. Premier League quality signings to, to keep stay up. Yeah, that's exactly it. They'll um, they'll get relegated, and I think I think they almost know they're going to get relegated. I know it's, they probably won't admit it, but the players they bought in the summer were more or less Championship players who will probably bring them back up if they if, if you know all been all been well. So um, they'll they'll be competitive in some games. They'll probably win the odd home game one 0 from. Saw Bamba head of some corners, that kind of malarkey, but I'm not uh, expecting much more from them. No. Uh, okay, we'll move from there on to Crystal Palace against Newcastle, the, the one goal was draw uh, of Saturday's fixtures. Um, Dave, I've got to come to you in this one first. Uh, we've, we've spoken uh, over previous weeks over the fact that, that Rafa Benitez hasn't been helped by the lack of investment shown by Mike Ashley and some of the, the things that have been said in the media and so on. Uh, how long, though, do you think, uh, speaking as a Newcastle fan yourself, how much patience are you going to have with the, the way that, that Rafa set some of his sides out? Because it feels to me like as much as Crystal Palace were really solid last season, Roy Hodgson's done really a good job there. Wilfred Zaha is possibly the best player outside the top six. It still feels like Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park should be it should see Newcastle perhaps attacking a bit more than they did yesterday. Um, are, are Rafa's tactics start to frustrate Newcastle fans, or are you still very much on his side at this point? Then? I think the, the vast majority of fans are understanding of, of this position we're in. I mean, we have got a lot of players we had in the championship. We haven't necessarily built a new team uh, in the way that sort of a Fulham and a Wolves have for uh, for the Premier League. So, uh, again, we didn't set up that negatively on Saturday, but fundamentally the players aren't as aren't as good as what they're up against. Uh, as you said, uh, just there, Zaha and even Townsend are, are easily better attacking options than what we've got. Um, we had a go of it certainly the first half it's always going to be the same with Rafa he's always set our team up the same kind of way um, it was the same last season when we came 10th it's not as if we, he suddenly changed this season um, the problem is this season is we've played four games against uh, top six sides and it's it's hard to get any momentum going uh, when you're playing against teams you've not really got much chance against um, out of the fact that we've had one injury after another not necessarily big injuries but you know Shelby's missed a few games Lascelles missed a few games and it's there's no settled team there even Rondon hasn't really had a run yet he came off at half time yesterday so I don't know how long he's going to be out for but it just seems to be one thing after another and it's never just about the 90 minutes anymore there's always more going on yeah it's a sad state of affairs for a for what is ultimately a great club um, James Crystal Palace as I said Roy Hodgson's done a, a real good job there um, he's, he's recovered some of his reputation after his, his poor time as, as England manager um, we talk about Wilfred Zaha possibly being one of the top players outside the top six and obviously he's made the news fairly recently and he believes he doesn't get enough protection from from uh, referees um, is that something that you do you think referees in this country need to do more to protect 
the flair players, or, or do you think that at some point they're just going to have to kind of roll their sleeves up and, and deal with it? Um, I think it's a combination of both, to be honest. I think ref- referees would help themselves by, at times by, by using common sense. By If somebody makes a rest challenge, book, book them straight away. Don't necessarily just give them a, a, talking to, a talking to first before going on to book them in the same game. I think uh, Patrick van Aanholt has had a very good start to the season as well for Crystal Palace. And uh, I'm pleased for Roy Hodgson because you know people forget that at his time as England manager, I think he lost five games. And uh, obviously the one game... Um, against Iceland is the only one people remember, but um, I don't think I, I don't think that he was a, a bad England manager at all. Um, I, and um, to to lose only five games over, I think it was a four year, four year period. This is it's no mean feat. And uh, you know, I think they had a qualifying campaign where they where they won ten out of ten. And you know, yes, you can only beat what's put in front of you. But I think that's the first time that that ever happened in an England campaign where they went on to win ten out of ten. And uh, you know, I think people have short memories in that respect. Absolutely. Uh, we move from there to King Power Stadium, where Leicester uh, released a little bit of pressure on the manager Claude Puel with a three-one. Uh, went over Huddersfield uh, Huddersfield opening the score in that game in fact in the fifth minute through Jorgensen but Leicester eventually took control Ian Atchell equalising in the 19th minute Mad, James Madsen putting him in front in the 66 and Jamie Vardy finishing it off in the 75th um, Dave I'll come to you first uh, James Madison is is perhaps the surprise of the season for me I mean he was well regarded in the championship but the fact is he was coming from the championship from a club that it wasn't uh, wasn't exactly setting the heather on fire um, cost a lot of money was very young and has been somewhat of a revelation uh, and really controlled the game for Leicester yesterday yeah, I mean, he costs something like £24 million, so we probably shouldn't be that surprised, but he, uh, he was, he's he been very good. Uh, there's not that many players make a step up from the Championship to the Premier League that seamlessly. Uh, he's um, I mean, obviously a great free kick yesterday, but in, in all the games they've played, he seems to have had a fairly big influence on us. Uh, I, would, I would probably wait he'll get an England cap before the end of the season if he carries on like this. Yeah, uh, speaking of England caps, of course, uh, Jamie Vardy announced his retirement recently, but Jamie Vardy... It shows that um, he's perhaps still the the penguins' best, perhaps out now striker in terms of old fashioned. You know, just run through the middle, slot at home. Um, James Huddersfield, uh, it, it, Huddersfield are they, they've earned a lot of plaudits, rightfully so, for the way they play football and so on. But the sequence of play that led to uh, I think it was Ian Acho's equaliser yesterday, perhaps shows that at some point David Wagner's going to have to uh, change his style of play if uh, Huddersfield have any hopes of staying up, Is that, do you agree with that or do you think that he should stick to his principles and, and just see where the, the dice fall? No, I agree with you I think he has to be flexible and he has to change I'm, I'm convinced that if the Premier League season at the end of um Last uh, last se- if last season's um, sorry, there's a bit of noise in the background. Sorry, um, um, if last season's Premier League would have gone on for maybe two or three rounds more, they wouldn't have stayed up in the first place. Um, so they were, I I thought you know their freak result at Stamford Bridge led to them staying up, and um, I thought they were quite lucky. And I think along the lines of Cardiff, I think they need to. Um, 
I think they need to be flexible and they need to change their tactics to give themselves half a chance. I think as well, buying Terence Congolo from um, from Monaco for £20 million, you know, this, this is Huddersfield Town we're talking about. And uh, they've now gone on to pay twenty million euros, uh, twenty million pounds, sorry, for a good player, but he's not worth twenty million pounds. And uh, you know he played a handful of games for Monaco, won the league title with Feyenoord here, and is definitely on his day a very good defender. But he's he's not a defender who's going to help keep uh, Huddersfield up, in my opinion. Uh, so we'll move from there on to Anfield well Liverpool kept up their impressive start of the season uh, 3-0 went over uh, fairly feckless Southampton uh, hooked equal own goal opening the scoring uh, Joe Matip scoring his first goal for Liverpool in the 21st minute league goal and then Mo Salah kind of coming out of a little mini drought of his own to score the third in the third minute of first half injury time um, James Liverpool are, are clearly I think at this point the front runners to challenge Man City for for the league title. Have you seen enough now that we're a few weeks into the season to suggest that that's a challenge they can maintain, or do you still see some weaknesses that that other teams might be able to exploit? I think that it's a long old season, and it's was it twenty eight, twenty nine years since Liverpool last won a title. And yes, they've had a tremendous start. I think they've won seven in a row for the first time since their last uh, title win, I think it was. And um, yeah, the, I think the closer they get to it, I think I think it, they're going to find it difficult. And also with Champions League commitments as well, that's going to take a lot out of them. It's, if, if they harbour ambitions to go as, as far on into the competition as they did last season, going on to reach the final. But, you know, the, the intensity upon, upon which Klopp asked his players to play at you know the energy levels around about January February time they can um, they can begin to sap you saw you saw Dortmund in the past they would have spells where they'd be absolutely fantastic and then they go on to have results where they where they draw or maybe even lose because the energy levels of the players are, are not what they were at the start of the season but it's a it's a promising start for them but I think it's um I think a lot of time will tell in terms of Champions League commitments and also, you know, having not won a trophy for six years, how seriously will they take the FA Cup and League Cup as well? So I think, uh, although they've had a good start, there's uh, many a twist and turn ahead. Indeed. Uh, Dave, we've spoken for, for weeks now about just how impotent Southampton have looked for large parts of their time under Mark Hughes. Um, how long based on the current form, and I appreciate that they were playing against title contenders yesterday, but they didn't have a shot on target until the 93rd minute of the game. Um, unfortunately, it seems like that's that's very much the case. There, there doesn't seem to be a huge amount of drive there. Uh, none of the creative players have really shown up. We've obviously discussed the fact that the Tadic, uh, selling Tadic seems a real, real mistake. Um, is there any, do you see any glimpses of hope for Southampton here or do you think it's going to take a change of manager to turn their fortunes? Uh, I thought Danny Ings was very good on Monday against uh, Brighton. Uh, obviously he couldn't play yesterday against Liverpool but uh, he um, he looks back to his best after a long long road of injuries for him but uh, whether he can do it all on his own I, I just I, I doubt but uh, Redmond who seemed to have the world at his feet at one point seems to have just dropped off completely he's no longer 
contributing that much. Um, as I said, with the so Tadic and I think Armstrong came in, who doesn't seem to get that much game time. I don't know if he's injured or whether he's just not getting a game. Uh, Ward Prowse as well. I thought he was coming through as a just been in and around Southampton's team for four or five seasons now, and he seems to have gone backwards a little bit recently. So whether that's down to the management or the system they play, I'm not really sure. But um, they were so close to going down last season, and I don't think we've improved a great amount this year. Um, they used to have quite a reliable defence, but I, I was going to ask James about this actually. Um, Wesley Hoot obviously scored the own goal, and okay, fairly unfortunate, it just hit off him. I watched them at St James's Park in March, and it was the worst display I've ever seen from a centre half. Has he always been this bad, or is it just no? Not <laughs> no. He's. Um, I think the Premier League is too quick for him, Dave. Uh, he started out here at IZ Alakmar and he was getting rave reviews uh, playing. I think he made just over fifty appearances for IZ Alakmar before Lazio came in for him. And at Lazio, obviously the Italian league is slower, and uh, he can be more composed on the ball. And I just think the speed of the Premier League is um, is a bit too much for him. I also don't think he's. I don't think he's comfortable, whether that be a formation or a, even the manager. I don't think there's something going on there, and I know he's not doing himself um, any favours with performances, and especially an own goal yesterday, because I had a, a, I was speaking to um, a few Southampton fans via Twitter, you know, trying to reassure him that he's he's, he's really not this bad. He's he's got something he's got something about him, but I ju- I just think number one, the Premier League's too quick for him, and number two, I don't believe he's he's comfortable, and I think. If it is a formation, or especially in terms of a new manager coming in that would uh, that would uh, tweak things a little bit, I think you'll see him improve. But I, I, you could see with his body language yesterday, it, it's starting to get to him a little bit because at Lazio he was receiving rave reviews. At RZ, you know, he was often brought into um, often brought into national team squads, and he was brought in for a reason because he looked solid, he looked calm, he looked comfortable. But naturally, the pace of the Eredivisie and the pace of the Serie A is uh, is completely different to the Premier League, and hence why he's uh, he's struggling at the moment. I think him and uh, and Vestergaard, they're, they're both very one-paced. I know obviously, Vestergaard's bigger than a house, so I mean that helps. But uh, it seems like that one are quite easy to get get around. Um, if you just play down the channels, it seems like a fairly easy. No, I wouldn't say easy, but an easier route to, to go. A lot of teams. Eight, so that's a, a, a comfortable one for Liverpool. Moving on, there too many people consider to be their, their real rivals. Uh, Manchester United, uh, their inconsistent start of the season continues, dropping two more points at Old Trafford this time to the, the young upstarts of Wolverhampton Wanderers. Um, they will come to you first. United just cannot seem to get out of second gear at the moment. Um, it looked good for them when when Fred scored that pretty decent goal off a nice assist by Pogba, but yet again from that point on they just they, they don't seem to have the killer instinct to put teams away that Man United teams or even to be honest Jose Mourinho teams have had in the past. What do you think is the the main contributing factor to their their continued malaise at the moment? Well, I thought that uh, they'd turned a corner with a couple of, well, three away wins, two in the league and one in the Champions League, but away from home, it's it's 
it suits them because they can play on the counter attack, get their goals, then soak up the pressure. But at home, when they're expected to make the running, they just don't seem to be able to do it. Um, and he's tried a few different formations and things, and at home, I say it just doesn't seem to be, to be doing it for him at all. Um, probably the worst thing Mourinho's done is by Alexis Sanchez because he didn't fit with the profile of the team knocked Rashford back out of the team I know he's banned at the minute but it's, it's obviously cut down his game time he hasn't helped in the slightest and it was just a vanity thing because they, they thought they could gizump Man City and get Sanchez and that would be great but whilst they've done that it hasn't, uh, hasn't helped them in the slightest they haven't improved as a result of having Sanchez around and if anything it's blocked I'd say Rashford but also Martial from getting any game time and uh, they're just very very methodical and very one-paced and I don't think they I don't think Mourinho really knows what his best team is and I always think that's a sign that things aren't right because you should I don't think a manager certainly of his stature should know what his best 11 is but I don't think he knows what his best centre-half pairing is or his best or his best midfield pairing or anything really it's uh, it's all seems to be just thought up almost at a couple of days notice I will try this this week and if it works great and if it doesn't then you know we'll try something else next week and if you play against a team like Wolves who as we said earlier on obviously they're not your standard to just being promoted team they've got a lot of new players a lot of international players as well not just players who've cost them money they're all some of them you know Matinho and Neves played for Portugal and all those kind of world class players in there so um they're not going to be pushed over as, you know, as we saw Burnley get pushed over the other week and that kind of thing so it's um, it's worrying for them it's, I, I don't I, I can't really advise how he can get out of it either because he can't pick his best Man United team and I've got no chance but uh, he needs to find a, a formula quicker than uh, than what he's doing at the minute uh, James yeah as, as Dave just said it seems like Mourinho can't uh, decide on his best start 11 at the moment but I think the one thing we could all agree on is that no variation of that best 11 currently contains Alexis Sanchez um, as, as a fellow Arsenal man you know we've, we've seen the best of Sanchez in the recent years uh, but it looks again like uh, there might have been a masterstroke pull by Arsenal in terms of selling a player just as he's about to start his decline is, is that how you see this or is it just a case that you think this is the wrong environment for Alexis Sanchez um, I think um, I think it, it is the wrong environment uh, as a fan I really enjoyed Alexis Sanchez I enjoyed watching him play and for me when he was uh, you know criticising celebrating on his own and, and his teammates and calling out teammates and his teammates running to Arsene Wenger to complain and moan for me, that said more about those players than what it did about Sanchez. You know, he's a, he's a winner and he wants to win, but, you know, does he feel completely comfortable with, uh, at Manchester United? I think he just wanted out of Arsenal because he felt a bit isolated, to be honest, and, and, and he's, he went on to sign for Manchester United, which he thought was would be the right um, move for him, but it hasn't worked out so far. I don't know if, if a new manager... If Mourinho does continue to to kind of um, bumble along and not pick up the three points on a regular basis and not um, and not perform as well as what's expected of him, I don't know if a new manager would get the best out of Sanchez. But I think um, I think it's just a bit um, uh, he's on a a bit sidetracked at the minute. And uh, yeah, as a player, I rate him. You know, I don't I don't hold grudges about against players that leave Arsenal. You know he's yeah. a he's a very he's a very very good player on his day, and uh, you hope that he can you you hope as a uh, even still is a very good player. You hope that he can turn it around. Yeah, 
As um, sorry, to cut in. As, as Arsenal fans, I mean, like for like, you more or less replaced Sanchez with Aubameyang. I know you got um, Mkhitaryan as well as part of the deal, but in terms of the position they play, Aubameyang is essentially playing the Sanchez role at the moment of being on the left and cutting in. Um, if you had to pick between the two right now, who would you want in your team? Uh, James, I'll let you answer this one first. Um, I I think at the moment, if you're looking at um, form and age, and uh, I, I'd pick Obama Young at the moment, but I have a question mark regarding Obama Young's attitude. Uh, it's very good at the moment, very very pleasing because everything's going well, but he also has a track record in the past of 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 kicking up a bit of a stink at Milan, at Saint Etienne, at Dortmund when things don't quite go well. So I wonder, somewhere along the line with Arsenal, is that going to happen again? So I have my my jury is out in terms of, of that possibly happening. But I think in, just in terms of form at the moment, I, I would choose Young ever so slightly. This is a really inane point, but um, and we'll probably come on to it when we talk about Arsenal in a minute, but um, when Young gets subbed off, he always looks chuffed to be subbed like I always think it's weird because like Sanchez is the polar opposite he came he would come off and he's pretty much crying Aubameyang's like ah great time for a rest like as a forward most of them want to stay on and obviously score as many as they can but he just seems delighted to get a rest yeah uh, um, uh, to be honest maybe that's down to the way Emery works his players and so on maybe he's actually genuinely quite glad to be getting the (laughs) 20 minutes uh, I'm, I'm with James on that one I think at the moment you've got to pick a Bamiyam just based on the, the form uh, the age and so on I mean if you're talking who's the better player Sanchez or Bamiyang, I think most of us would agree Sanchez he's got much richer pedigree um, could probably do more on the pitch than Aubameyang but yes that is difficult to look past Aubameyang at this point um, just before we move on from, from the Man United game it would be remiss if we didn't talk about how well uh, Wolves have now played against both Manchester sides um, could arguably have nicked it yesterday um, Jean Matino scoring an excellent goal um, really does look like a bargain um, it's starting to look like the prophecies about Wolves possibly being a, a European contender this season might might start to be true how vital is it do you think though that they, they hold on to, to their kind of star players in January obviously the big rumour we've heard is that City might look to, to pinch Neves for around 60 million in January how important do you think it is that they hold on to the likes of him and Moutinho and so on if they are going to continue to, to impress the way they have uh, it's very important but I can't see those players leaving I think in the case of Moutinho and Neves, they're both very professional. As Dave said, they're Portuguese internationals. In particular, Moutinho has had a stellar career. I mean, I remember seeing him tear Arsenal to shreds against Monaco in 2015 and he was just uh, picking passes all over the shop. But I think with the professionalism of those two in particular, I can't see them leaving Wolves in January. I think they're both hell-bent on seeing the season out at the very least and helping Wolves stay up. I think Sandro as well, with his experience in the past with Porto, you know, and, and Valencia as well, he's, 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 he's got a fair bit of experience abroad and he knows what he's doing. And I think there's a fair amount of togetherness in that Wolves squad. I don't think that the, the bigger players that have made a very good impression, I don't think it's even entering their minds to leave in January and, and to not see out the season at the very least. I have to say that... Um... 
I've been very impressed by how uh, tactically spot on uh, Nuno is. I know it's, it should be obvious, really, given his career, but I was probably doing a bit of a disservice because in the Championship they were Wolves and they were given all these wonderful players to go and, you know, st- turns out the Portuguese league would have been won easily in the championship so um, I didn't really give enough credit for how, how good he is as a manager but from what I've seen so far he, he, they're in safe hands they'll be absolutely fine um, and as you say they've, they've taken both Manchester clubs to a point probably could have won probably both games in fairness um, but on the day they're more than to pass the test and every, every time they come up against a, a difficult team they think well now we'll see if they if they're actually cut out for the Premier League or not. And every time so far, they've, they've really stood up to it. Uh, on to Saturday's last game, then on to the Amex Stadium, where Brighton and Hove Albion eventually went down two one to Spurs. Uh, an odd game this one. Spurs really did seem very comfortable for large parts of it, and yet again find themselves clinging on. Uh, Kane opening the scoring ending his own drought with a penalty in the 42nd minute. Uh, Lamella then doubling the lead in the 76th, uh, only for Anthony Knockhart, who should have scored actually three, four minutes beforehand, getting the consolation goal in the third minute of injury time. Uh, James, Spurs are, are, seems to be a real malaise around Spurs at the moment. Uh, Harry Kane's obviously had his own issues this season. Um a few people are feeling quite vindicated I think at the moment of their assertion that he's maybe he has a little one note uh, I don't just should point out I'm not one of those people before I get the angry tweets um, but yeah it's uh, Pochettino much like Klopp has a tendency to, to press his players very hard during the game and as a result they end up often looking tired not just towards the end of the season but often towards the end of games how much is their decision not to strengthen that squad do you think going to come and bite them by the end of the season um, I think it will come back at some point but I don't think it will come back as hard as what everybody makes it out to I think the um, I think the Champions League group that they're in is going to take an awful lot out of them especially the away days and you saw that in uh, you saw that losing in uh, losing in Milan. Um, they've I think they've invested heavily in youth recently with their youth team and um, and giving their youth a chance. So I think that um, I think they'll dip into that before the season finishes. I think they've uh, I think they've deliberately gone out of their way to extend the contracts of many youth players. So it could be it could be that you see uh, a fair few youth players making their debut towards. Um, Towards the um, uh, Christmas time, perhaps, or even in the new in the new year, it's a it's a noble decision they've taken not to strengthen. And lots of people have criticised it, but you know, teams have youth academies, and I've said this on the debate show. I don't believe that the Premier League clubs, in comparison to other uh, leagues such as here in the Netherlands or in Spain or in um, or in France, I don't think the Premier League gives their youth academy players the chance they deserve because there's too much there's too much on the line in terms of uh, bad form a manager losing his job or or um, or even potential relegation in terms of uh, of not playing well and picking up points but i think you know spurs can uh, can dip into their youth setup and, and give their players a chance and in the long run it might well turn out to be a very wise decision indeed it, uh they brighton probably a good fight probably should arguably have equalised and made it their second two-goal comeback of the week. Um, as it is, they have now they've, they've now fallen, unfortunately. Um, 
Brighton looked decent. I, I don't think they're necessarily going to pull up any trees, but is, is there perhaps more reason for optimism around Brighton then than perhaps we thought at the start of the season? Um, I still think they'll be in the bottom five. Uh, the, you know, you know what you're going to get with Brighton, and that they've got they've got two centre halves who will come and head everything, and they'll throw themselves in the front of everything, which is which is fine. Uh, I, I'm not convinced by Glenn Murray. I know everyone says, but he's you know he's, he scores every other week and all that. All his goals are basically penalties or set piece goals. He doesn't get an awful lot of goals in open play. Um, obviously, Knockout's very very talented. Um, I know James is a big fan of uh, Davy of Proper in midfield, um, but uh, they're just they're just very very vanilla going forwards. I don't think they've got an awful lot of goals in them. Um, they're not the only ones, of course, down that end of the table, but uh, they're, they're very reliant on their home form. Um, and obviously, they won't be playing teams of Tottenham's uh, standard every week. But uh, they've also drawn Fulham, and if you know, if they can't get a run of home games where they, they win, I can see them being being down there for most of the season. Uh, yeah, as uh, James has said there, uh, David Proper has been one of the better players this season, a player you know well. Yeah, he's, uh, he's far too, uh, at the risk of offending Brighton fans, and don't take it personally, but he's far too good for Brighton. He, um, he started out here at uh, Vitesse Arnhem, and Ajax came in for him. And everybody thought that that would be the natural, that natural move for him. He ended up at PSV Eindhoven, and he made that team tick. They won, um, they won titles. They they looked really good. He could he's, he could really, um, you know, the tempo of a game to decide, uh, to you have to decide the tempo of a game being so young, and being so confident that when he played, when he went on to play for the national team in the World Cup qualifiers, he would play and he would score and he would give assists and he looked he looked really confident and I look forward to seeing him in a in a better team in the future. I mean he's still called into Dutch national squads, he's still involved. But I think if he if you put him in a at club level in a in a better team, I think you'll see uh, you'll see him shine even more. James, I um I wanted to ask you about uh, a couple of other Dutch league players. Yeah, go um, ahead. Because, because they've also Brighton have got the bought Lacadia last January for yep. like nine million, I think. You'll put that to come the exact figure, but it was quite a hefty sum of money. And yep. he, he doesn't doesn't really play. Um and then they also signed um the chap from Iran whose name I'm not gonna try and Yaham, say Yaham um, yes, that's him. He was the I think it was was he the top scorer last season? He was and he provided many assists as well and he looked uh, he looked very good. So, what I didn't understand about him is that he wasn't starting for a run in the World Cup, yet he was the top scorer in the Dutch League. And now he's got his move to Brighton. I don't know whether Chris Hutton only scouts the Dutch League, but he seems to get a lot of his, a lot of his buys from there. Yeah. Um, I, why do you think neither Lacadia or the um, Johan Batch have managed to really make a, a mark in the, in the Brighton team yet? Um, I think uh, with Johan Bachs, I think it's uh, due, due, uh, due to style of play. I uh, when he played for RZ and scored, I think it was twenty uh, seventeen goals. I think it was and provided many assists as well. When he um, RZ played with an awful lot of width, an awful lot of width. Every game was to the wings, going down the wings, crossing, a lot of intensity, 
I, I don't necessarily think Brighton play that way in terms of looking for whip, playing, playing, whipping the ball out wide and whipping, whipping it into the centre. Uh, I think with Lucardi, he's very physical. And he said he said a, a strange career. You know, he started at Hull uh, and and with uh, PSV, and he made um, he was sometimes like a bit of a bull in a china shop. You know, he would uh, put himself about a bit and pick up the odd goal and assists. But I think um, I, I think I think they should play. Both should play more. But I think with Hugh enough, I think maybe he's trying to perhaps tweak things with a style of play. And um, I'm pleased for Brighton that. Proper is the one that gets the most game time because out of the three, he is the best one. But I think in case of Johan Bucks, he had a tremendous season. Well, you see it in the past as well with Vincent Janssen. Vincent Janssen was like a rabbit killer. He would score three goals against Schaafschap and uh, he would score goals against Arda Den Haag and the, the smaller teams and, and the mid-table teams here. But when it came to him playing for Spurs, he couldn't really quite cut the mustard and going back in the, in the past with Alfonso Alves at uh, at Sahil and Fane when he went to Middlesbrough you know people think oh you know he scored so many goals in his Dutch league he must be great and in the case of your handbacks he is very good but you need to uh, you need to play to his strengths and I'm not necessarily not necessarily sure that Brighton do that I think uh, Alfonso Alves has ruined the Dutch league for everybody because he obviously is the archetypal he scored lots of goals in Holland and didn't do it in England Um is it safe to assume that if Glenn Murray played in the Dutch league, he would get fifty goals a season? And no, he wouldn't get fifty. Might get, <laughs> might get, might get, might get between ten, and, might get between ten and fifteen. But, but it, again, you know, it's just it's also this, the style of play. I mean, you see, uh, you see teams that have come up in the Dutch leagues, the, the uh, teams that got promoted last season, Fortuna Sittard, De Graafschap, and Emmen. They're really, really trying their best, and they're giving, uh, they're giving teams. Uh, a real good game and they're picking up points already and uh, PSV have had a, a tremendous start I mean I, I have to eat my words with Van Bommel you know you wouldn't f- the man's been in the game for five minutes and he, he talks with so much authority it's uh, it's very impressive but um, yeah it, it, I think you just have to scout really well you need a bit of luck as well and uh, yeah in the case of your humbucks I think uh, I think he could have ch- perhaps even ignored the move and, cho- and chose to go elsewhere but uh yeah, Brighton would help themselves by starting to play with a bit more width and and use him in that respect, really. There you go. That's Dutch, that's Dutch league review done. <laughs> uh, and on top of that, it's also Saturday done. We'll move on to Sunday's two games. Uh, and we'll go to West Ham first, who became the first team to take any points off Chelsea this season, uh, holding them to a 0-0 draw. Uh, fairly uneventful game this. Um Dave, we'll come to you first. Chelsea have obviously drawn some praise this season for for some fairly expansive football. Sarri came with that reputation from Napoli. Arguably, though, this is the first time he's come up against a team with a manager who's got the nous to set themselves up in a way to to nullify a lot of the good things that, that Sarri's teams do. Uh, do you consider this more a blip for Chelsea or do you consider this more a blueprint for other teams in the Premier League to perhaps nullify what Chelsea do well? Um, to be honest, it was very similar to when uh, Chelsea came up to Newcastle a month or so ago. Um, only um, Chelsea didn't get a bullshit pen to do, whereas it did a month ago. Um, if you put everyone behind the ball like Newcastle did and West Ham did today, um, the way Chelsea play you could throw a blanket over their players because they pass the ball five yards between each other 
Um, it is the blueprint to play against them. It, 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 I can see how it works. Obviously, it wears teams down because the ball's going left to right to centre over and over again and obviously it's just a lot of sort of sideways running trying to close the spaces down um, eventually they probably will find a way through most days um, they didn't today and to be honest didn't, other than a couple of half chances to Murata when I think even that came from a, a sort of a second round of a set piece it wasn't as if they peppered the, the West Ham goal I thought West Ham defended brilliantly um, but it's the same old problem for Chelsea that I, I don't understand why you would play Jorginho and Kante in a game like that where you're going to have a lot of the ball because Kante, yes, he's a very good footballer but he's not an attacking midfielder. And when you've got Loftus-Cheek, when you've got Barkley and Fabregas when he's fit, why would you bother putting a square peg in a round hole when you've got that many different options at your disposal? Yeah, uh, James as was hinted at there. You know, Jorginho... Uh played today, completed 180 passes uh, no goals unfortunately that kind of perhaps sums up how West Ham set themselves out, in terms of West Ham a horrendous start for them, well documented, no points out of a possible 12, they've now taken 4 from the last 2 are you starting to see signs of a revival here or do you think that they've just had the right opposition? No, I think there's signs of a revival and I think that Pellegrini's got from, from the most part a bit of a bad press I think people write off the fact that he's won a Premier League title by saying, oh, he's won a Premier League title because he was at Man City. You've got to remember, this man. This is a man that's got experience in um, in coaching uh, Villarreal uh, in the Champions League and Real Madrid and Malaga. And, uh, you know, when he was in charge of Malaga in particular, they, um, they gave an awful lot of teams in Europe a hell of a fright. And I think he's a, I think he's a somewhat underrated manager. I think, it's, uh, I think lots of people take the opportunity to get at him and uh, you know he's only been at the club for a short amount of time and um, I think you, we'll, you'll start to see signs of uh, of improvement as the season goes on I don't think that West Ham are in particular going to pick up any uh, pull up any trees but I also don't think they're going to struggle I think uh, I think Pellegrini is somewhat underrated and uh, I think um, I think people are just too quick to get at him thinking oh you know he's, uh, he's not as good as what everybody uh, makes out to be whereas I think there's definitely something about him Mm-hmm. Uh, so that leaves us moving on to our last game of the weekend. Uh, Arsenal's uh, recent renaissance in form continues with a fairly comfortable 2 0 win over Everton. Uh, Alexander Lacazette going to score with the next one going 56th minute, and then Obama Yang uh, compiling the misery with a, another goal that was turned out to be the last goal of the game in the 59th minute. Um, James, as an Arsenal man, have you been impressed with the recent turnaround in Arsenal's form? Do you? Do you see signs that Emery's perhaps starting to get players on board with the system? Yeah, I do. I'm delighted with it. I'm I'm really, really pleased. You know, it was always going to take time, but you've you've got to think of the experience the man's got with uh, Sevilla, Valencia and Paris Saint-Germain. You know, he's come to Arsenal to be successful. He hasn't come here to mess around. And it's a long old road, you know, he's signed for two years. But he's I firmly believe, Andy, he's still assessing his squad. And I think he's giving everybody a fair chance. And I think you'll see, not necessarily in January, but you'll see a lot of changes in the summer. And um, it's still going to take time. There's still um, the defence still needs to be worked at. They need to they need to still learn how to work as a collective unit. 
but there's uh, there's signs of life, and uh, I'm pleased for Unai Emery. I always had confidence in him since his appointment, and uh, it's a long old season, as we know. A good result midweek in the Europa League as well. Uh, I was at that game and, and really really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, just take one game at a time. You know, there's a, a decent run of fixtures coming up now, and I think he's ga- he's ga- he's growing in confidence as well. And uh, yeah, very very pleased. Uh, yeah, Dave, there seemed a real reluctance to kind of unleash Aubameyang and Lacazette at the same time, and it seems that since Emery's kind of started to make moves to do so, Arsenal's form has, has improved. Do you, are you one of those people that believes it's difficult to play those two as a partnership, or do you think that you can play any two as a partnership as, as long as the system around them is, is correct? Uh, I, I can see why he didn't against uh, against Chelsea and Manchester City at the start of the season. But uh, I mean, for all for all you've won today um, against a team with a better striker, you might not have done. Um, it's so open the way. Obviously, you've got the two the two strikers. You've got Özil. You've got Ramsey. So those four are pretty much constantly up, up at the other end of the field, which leaves six back plus your goalkeeper and. Uh, uh, I don't know how you feel about Petr Cech. I mean, he had a fairly good game today from a, from a goalkeeping point of view, but he just doesn't want to kick the ball over from the back. And it's now it's now been six games. What would you do? Would, obviously, big money's been spent on Leno, who played the Europa League game. Would you have swapped them by now, or are you quite happy just to see Cech? It's, it's awful to watch. To see. It's like, it just isn't right. It doesn't look right trying to do it. Uh, James, I don't know how you feel on this. I, I personally would stick with Czech at the moment just because I think overall Czech's probably still the better keeper. I know the big money was spent on Leno, but Leno didn't exactly come in with the most glowing reputations for Bayer Leverkusen. Um, I, I know that several German pundits have the doubts as to whether he's the, the quality that you need to be your number one goalkeeper at a big club. Um, uh, how do you feel about this, Czech or, Czech or Leno? No, I fully agree with you. And um, I... Personally, I know money, a lot, big money's been spent, but why can't um, Czech's contract expires next summer? Why can't uh, Leno have a season where he plays, obviously, cup games and Europa League games, and he'll probably play on Wednesday in the League Cup as well? Uh, have a season of, of playing regular games in terms of tournament football, uh, learning from Czech, working together, and, uh, and then we can have a new number one next season. Um, I think uh, Czech's experience and Matt demands one it all. He knows exactly what um, what needs to be done. I completely agree with Dave. He's obviously not comfortable playing out from the back, playing with the ball at his feet. That's something he needs to resolve with his uh, with his defence and with his manager. If he's really, really not comfortable with it, then surely uh, Emery will be flexible enough to uh, to understand that at the very least and and work to find a solution. Indeed. Uh, quick word on Everton. Uh, from you both uh, I think Everton fans were, were fairly optimistic heading into this season that's now four league games in a row without a, a win uh, Theo Walcott's early season uh, kind of form seems to have dipped a lot I'm not getting a huge amount for Sigurdsson at the moment um, is this a case of Everton maybe not having the players to do what their fans want them to do or do we think that perhaps this comes down to Silva maybe not being quite the having the mind as touch that, that people thought I think uh, Richarlison looks worth every penny with every passing game I think uh, I was very impressed by him today not just uh, 
Chelsea's ability to hit a ball, but his, uh, his, his hold-up play was quite good as well, which I didn't really uh, associate him with particularly, but uh, he's, got, he's got very little to work with. As you say, Sigurdsson's a very good player, but they seem to struggle to get him into games. Uh, Walcott spent the whole game tripping over his own feet. Um, Calvert-Lewin, he's very, very raw. Um, Tosin have had to drop because he has, can't, can't score goals anymore, and then it's, it's strange. They should... For the you, you look at Everton and you think, well, they've spent a lot of money, but most of the money they've spent was on Richarlison, uh, and obviously Yerry Mina who's yet to play at centre half. Um, yeah. Dania left back, he, he seems okay from what I've seen so far. He's probably a par with Baines, really. Um, they miss Seamus Coleman because uh, John Joe Kenny again. He'll probably be good in a few years' time, but he's not, not not as good as Coleman is. So they're in a bit of a rut at the minute, Everton. Um, they just seem a bit a bit devoid of ideas and I say you can make as many chances as you want but without a without a forward being there um, it's going to be a struggle for them I, I, I don't know how long it'll be before they may just bite the bullet and play Richarlison as a striker yeah, I've, yeah I, I think that's a good yeah, James, I, think that's a, I think that's a good idea what Dave just said I think they'll probably contemplate that as games go on I think people often confuse the fact that when a club spends a lot of money that there has to be an automatic upturn of events in terms of positive results you know a manager who's only just started his job he needs time to assess his squad you know as I say I'm fortunate enough to interview players and managers and particularly when I interview managers uh, that have managed at different clubs you know they've often told me in the case of Danny Cowley at Lincoln you know um, continuity is such a rare thing in football and he's on a a managerial journey and, and also in the case of here in the Netherlands with Molly Stone that when he arrived at Venlo he needed time to to get the the bad seeds out of the club, you know. And I think people often forget that, you know, when managers they're dealing with players that maybe have a bad character and not really conducive to the style of play they want. They need time to 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 discover this and 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 do something about it. And I just think people often get confused with with a team spending an awful lot of money, thinking, oh, they spent so much money, they've got to have positive results. I think Marco Silva, uh, you know, he's got, um, with, he spells at Watford and Hull, I think the pressure's on him a bit, I think he's got to, he's got to deliver in terms of positive results here at Everton, otherwise I think his, um, I think his reputation might take a bit of a, might take a bit of a whack. They do have to get the Allardyce stench out first, though, like you say, it's a fair point to, to go from, Allardyce's sort of uh, long ball percentage football to a manager who wants to play on the deck. It will take a bit of time. It's not. Uh, it's not something you can just flick a switch for. Um, and it's two very different styles of play. I mean, this was Newcastle's big problem in the in the uh, late nineties that we went from Kevin Keegan, who was all out attack, to Kenny Dalglish, who really wasn't, and then Ruud Hullet, who wanted to play one up front. Um, and it, it, every time it, it takes a bit of time to adapt, and we gave it, those two managers a year each, and just, no, it's, it was never going to work in that short space of time. Um, so whether Everton are going to go through the same thing here, where they keep lurching from we need some organisation to we need some flair, and then they'll go back to some sort of organisation. It'll go on like this until they actually give the manager some time to put his stamp on the squad. Right. And so that has been the weekend of football in the Premier League. Uh, 
quick look at the table. Liverpool leading away, six wins out of six. Uh, Manchester City and Chelsea both nipping at their heels, two points further back, and then Watford, Spurs and Arsenal rounding out the top six. Down at the bottom, Newcastle, Cardiff and Huddersfield Town all still waiting on their first wins of the season. Burnley's recent turnaround in form, as well as West Ham's, both lifting them out of the bottom three. Um, so that's been another week of Premier League football. Uh, thanks for joining me as always, guys. Dave, James, if, if people want to hunt you down to to take umbrage or, or agree otherwise with anything said tonight uh, where can they find you on Twitter uh, so I'm uh, at CM9798 uh, people can follow me on at James Rowe NL and you can find me at Simon Tyson and of course you should also follow the official Man on the Post uh, account at Man on the Post where you can find out about all our other kind of great shows that are going on at the moment we've got a big debate show we've got unusual efforts we've got uh, 11 pieces of me and of course extra time uh, and with that in mind we will see you next Sunday for another review of the Premier League season and as always remember to keep a Man on the Post